This is the EWN Podcast Network. You work with your customer or your target customer to figure out what is the need out there. And then as you develop a minimum viable product, you're going to go back to your customer and get feedback so you can really incorporate that into your product. You're not just in a vacuum trying to say, hey, I think this would be great because say, hey, Pat likes it, Aruna likes it. It's because who is your target audience? And that's, I think, so important, like figuring out who that is. And towards the end, when you actually launch your product, when you feel you reach the launch point and where it's becoming more of an operational thing, then you still want to keep getting that feedback from your customers. So it's not at one point in time, it's a cycle. It's Lift As We Climb, a show that shares secrets about growing your business from the eWomen Network Premier Success Coaches and outstanding members from around the world. I'm Pat Miller, the Idea Coach and your host of the show. On today's show, we're looking into the mirror. How's your product doing? Is it serving your customers' needs? And is it creating enough customer benefit to help you to continue to grow? We'll interview Aruna Krishnan, owner of Optum LLC, who will guide us on an insightful, but maybe a little bit uncomfortable journey in this episode. Lift As We Climb is sponsored by The Expressory, your relationship building concierge. Cultivating sales, the all-in-one CRM for sales and marketing. And the LinkedIn lifestyle, secrets and strategies to be a LinkedIn star. Aruna, it's great to have you on the show. So before we have a real conversation about our products and our customers, which might be a little bit uncomfortable, let's get to know you a little bit. Tell us about Optum LLC and what you do for your customers. Sure. Optum LLC is my company. I'm a business consultant and I help my clients with their product strategy right from definition through implementation. And that's something not a lot of people focus on. Are you finding fertile ground when you have those conversations with clients? Yeah. So what I've been running into is that it's relatively new ground. So I think because of my background of like 15 plus years in the product management space, I go deeper. I think there are certain things that are being done in terms of voice of customer, but it's only scratching the surface. And with my background, it's really digging down deeper, right, to the core of everything and how to define the product and some of the rules around that. Ooh, I'm excited. Like, I'm (laughs) genuinely excited for this conversation. So let's make sure that if someone's not an expert in this area, that they're on the same page with us. Define it for us. How do you define product customer fit? Yeah, so the way you look at that is every aspect of your product actually meeting a need of your customer. Let me go a little bit deeper there. So a product is going to have maybe three different elements. One is going to be its features. So very outward features. Those are generally what you expect the customer to find useful or help them do their job. Then the other thing is we look at from the customer's angle. Why did they come buy a product? Number one, to help them do a job. Number two, to solve a problem. Number three, to help improve their life, right? So there's get stuff done. So like the day-to-day, solve my problems and then be delighted, right? We can use the word delighted because who doesn't want to be delighted? (laughs) (laughs) So then your product from the feature standpoint needs to help them do their job. And then you have to have elements within your product that solves for the customer's problem. So that's the key, right? Why create a product if you're not actually 
solving a problem. And then also being able to provide that element of improving their life. So that could be in the form of, I've saved money now, I can actually go do something else and I can go play some golf. So bring that that type of element to your customer. So just making sure your product is optimized. Yeah, I come from Optim, so that's why I like that name. Your product is optimized to really fulfill your customers' needs. And that is a deep thought conversation. That is not, they bought the pizza and I sent them the pizza. Like this is multi-layers here of customer benefits. So this is the part of the discussion that I think is rare. Not many people have it and exciting. So when do you know that something might not be right? If you're talking about the product and customer fit, what are some of the alarm bells that might go off? Well, the first, I think most obvious thing would be that, hey, nobody's buying my product, right? Secondly, I would say like customer retention. Let's say you had 10 sales last month and then it dwindles and dwindles and dwindles. And you can say that, okay, well, what's going on? Because I thought my product was super awesome. Well, those are flags where you want to look into it. Like, is there market saturation? Is there a better product out there? Or are they just, did they try it and there's something not quite meeting their needs? Or like those three different elements, are you not solving for their pain points or are they unable to do their job really well? So those are definitely some signs. And then, of course, most obvious is if they come back and give you some kind of negative feedback. And negative feedback, that would drive us to reevaluate what we're doing. But when you say not making enough sales or not retaining enough customers, I would think a lot of inexperienced entrepreneurs would immediately go to price. Oh my gosh, I'm too expensive. And that's a race to the bottom. Do you find that with people that they go to price as one of the cure-alls when what you're saying, it sounds like we're not talking about pricing, we're talking about customer satisfaction and benefit. Am I thinking about that right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, pricing can be an element. Like if you have similar products on the market, let's just think about us as consumers. If there are similar products and there's not that much differentiation, it's like, okay, designer brand, this is a really easy example, designer brand versus generic brand, exactly the same product, but unnecessary price variance, right? I'm kind of cheap, so I'm probably going to go with a generic brand. I don't have anything to prove. So in that case, yeah, price might be the differentiating factor. But then in most cases, if we're not talking designer brands, it's going to be like, what is missing in your product that you need to probably look at? How can you satisfy your customer? How do you help them actually solve those problems that they're trying to solve? So we talked about price for a second. What are some of the other big pain points that come into the customer product fit that may jump up if we're not thinking about it? Yeah. So and I had kind of mentioned market saturation. So I want to make this statement. So even when you're developing a product or you're growing your product, you want to think about what is the underserved niche? Because otherwise it's going to be really hard if you have 100 or 1,000 people doing the same thing. What is your unique value proposition? What is your product's unique value proposition? I've been using the word product, but it could also be service. Product is the same as service in this case, right? If you're a service provider, that is your product. And every subservice that you provide is a feature of your product. So just wanted to clear that up. And then the other thing, other than market saturation, the other pain point is 
that the industry is changing, the market is changing, and then you have to keep up with what those changes are, whether it's like a technology or whether it's just new knowledge or the way that people want to move forward. Like a very common example that I can give here is Kodak. Do you remember a company called Kodak? (laughs) I do. I I am old and bald. I remember (laughs) Kodak, yeah. Right. And there was this whole thing about Kodak what was that? The Kodak moment. They had a whole brand going on. But then digital photography came about and they didn't really keep up with it. And I don't think there's any more Kodak, right? They don't exist anymore. So they made themselves extinct by just not keeping up with what was going on, moving on with technology. So you mentioned some of these customer benefits that are out there. Are there other customer benefits that maybe major groups of them that you haven't mentioned because there are different ways we can provide the service or you mentioned technology is one of them. Are there any others? Yes, the ones that I can think of is time and cost savings. If you have a product and you've been doing something totally manually, example, a tax software, right? I mean, how much time are you saving by just going through this automated process instead of maybe trying to figure it out yourself? It could take you weeks and I know like in my house, it has always waited till like 11.59 till (laughs) April 14th, right? So products like that where you're like, you're taking the stress off the customer, making it like an easy customer journey. I want to use that term to help them navigate through this process. So that's definitely one benefit. People love to get back time. They love to save money. And sometimes that time savings is equal to money savings. The other thing would be where benefits is where you're enabling revenue growth. So let's say as a podcaster and as you are, Pat, too, I've just come to the realization that I want to outsource my editing and things like that because that's someone's product or service that I could buy. And there I can focus on growing my own business, right? Because now I can focus on strategy. So those are some of the benefits by you offering your product where you're helping someone be able to focus on what's important to them. And then the most obvious one is just improving their quality of life. Just your product is improving their quality because it enables them to do things for themselves or it just gives them insight into things that they want to do. This seems to be a discussion that falls between marketing and sales. I think a lot of people spend time on their product and its quality and its price and its margin and all of that. I think a lot of people spend a lot of time worrying about their marketing. They even focus on their sales. But this seems to fit between marketing and sales in the idea that if you get the product customer fit right, your sales will be good. And you'll be talking about things in your marketing that really drives that customer benefit. Is that right? Is this between marketing and sales or where does this fit in the product development cycle? That's a really good question, Pat. And I remember when I first entered into the small business space, I noticed that there's a lot of digital marketers and that's a huge industry now. But this is like, what if I say, I'll talk about it in terms of an example. What if I say, oh, wow, I have this beautiful rock that I'm going to sell. Let me just do all this digital marketing, hire a digital marketer. Well, that's not really going to go anywhere because I think where my type of service or the things that I focus on is, well, does someone want this rock? How is someone going to use this rock? What problem is this rock going to solve, right? The truth is it's really at every stage of development, right from inception, because 
you're going to iterate. And I'm going to say this because I come from a world of that believes in MVP, minimum viable product and iterations and agile and lean, lots of different things. But let's focus on you work with your customer or your target customer to figure out what is the need out there. And then as you develop a minimum viable product, you're going to go back to your customer and get feedback so you can really incorporate that into your product. You're not just in a vacuum trying to say, hey, I think this would be great because say, hey, Pat likes it, Aruna likes it. It's because who is your target audience? And that's, I think, so important, like figuring out who that is. And towards the end, when you actually launch your product, when you feel you reached the launch point and where it's becoming more of an operational thing, then you still want to keep getting that feedback from your customers. So it's not at one point in time, it's a cycle. And that's a great piece of feedback because I think a lot of entrepreneurs spend a lot of time iterating their cost and their margin. But I don't know if a lot of people think about how do I make my customers happier and happier and want to come back more often. And maybe I'm wrong on that, but it seems like the discussions that I have seem to be more based on making more money out of every transaction rather than making my customers happier with every transaction. And is that a thing that small business is just ignoring? Is that the premise of the company that we're not spending enough time worrying about customer satisfaction? Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily built into the culture, I would say. And it probably is coming in more and more, but with some people doing voice of customer work, but I think it has to be something that's really incorporated into your process. And probably people like me can bring more awareness to the importance of that. And voice of customer work that I've observed and stuff that I've done in the past that I'm now guilty of seems to be, let's create a voice of customer so I know who to buy advertising for. Not necessarily, who's my voice of customer so I can make them happier and happier. So this is a really engaging conversation. So here's what we're going to do. Understanding the product and the customer fit is so important, and we're off to a great start, rather. But what do we do if things are out of whack? I'll ask Aruna how we can get things back on track next on the Lift As We Climb podcast. This episode of Lift As We Climb is sponsored by Cultivating Sales, the all-in-one CRM for sales and marketing. I'm using Cultivating Sales to not only organize my clients and partners, I'm using it to manage this worldwide podcast. With this one program, I built and host the show's webpage where guests can apply, book their dates, and subscribe. It also manages the email communications and Lift As We Climb VIP text program. The one program has replaced so many other subscriptions, it practically pays for itself. Stay close to your customers with texts, emails, sales funnels, calendars, a course builder, and even a website builder. Get the secret discount just for Lift As We Climb listeners. Visit cultivatingsales.com slash lift to capture it. That's cultivatingsales.com slash lift. And the LinkedIn Lifestyle, the secret recipe to attract the right people and build authentic relationships on LinkedIn. Before I worked with the LinkedIn lady, my LinkedIn was a mess. Then she introduced me to the LinkedIn lifestyle. And now I'm loaded with daily content ideas. My profile views are up and my engagement has improved. If you're trying to do business on LinkedIn, join me and lead the LinkedIn lifestyle. Visit linkedinlifestyle.com slash star to get the free report, Five Fatal Flaws in Most LinkedIn Profiles. Watch your profile views and post performance soar with these tips. They work. 
Get the report now at linkedinlifestyle.com slash star. And The Expressory, your relationship building concierge. I just launched the Idea Collective for Small Business Owners and Jamie and the team at The Expressory are blowing my members' minds. When a new member signs up, The Expressory team is automatically alerted to send a personalized surprise welcome gift right to their doorstep. The members are so surprised that they talk about the group on social media and feel more connected to our mission. Right now, you have a cool opportunity to experience the Expressory for yourself for free. Simply text the word TEST to 414-240-1315. That's TEST to 414-240-1315. And you'll get a surprise mailing including various samples of their handmade cards right to your door. You'll love the experience and you'll want it for your business too. Try out the Expressory today. We're back on the Lift As We Climb podcast. We're talking with Aruna Krishnan, owner of Optum Strategies. Aruna, if your product and your customer fit is out of whack, like you know something's wrong, we got to get it back on track. What do we do? So it depends, right? I'm going to say one of the favorite answers. <laughs> answer. <laughs> it depends. Yeah. So there's going to be one of two options. It's either you're going to tweak it or you're going to completely pivot. Now, what's going to drive that decision is going to be, again, looking at that product customer fit. And the first thing would be, what percent of your product features are satisfying your customers, right? And then taking a look at how does your product fare in relation to similar products in the market. If it's really not doing very well compared to it, let's take a deeper look at why not. And then I would say, are the incremental changes? Let's say you go the tweak route. I'm going to tweak, I'm going to tweak. And it's like basically band-aiding, right? That's another word for it. Because one customer said, oh, I wish this could be tweaked. Oh, I wish this was working a little different. Oh, I wish you had this feature. But if these incremental changes that you're making are degrading your original purpose for the product, and if it's degrading the customer experience or the integrity of the product, because the first thing when you create a product is you have to define why are you creating it, for whom are you creating it, and then you get down into what and how, right? But then if your why is going to change, then that's really something that you have to think about. And if the why has actually changed, then that's probably when you would do the full pivot, right? But if your why is still the same and it's okay to tweak it and still keep your product integrity the same, go ahead and do it. That's what we call iterations. Perfectly fine. And definitely, I guess that would drive whether you abandon the product or you just keep changing it. I want to ask about something that small business owners are not very good at. They're not really good at hearing criticism. They don't like bad feedback. And I want to ask about the customer satisfaction and the customer fit because At what point is bad feedback the type of bad feedback that we have to iterate, pivot, band-aid from? Because anymore, hey, review my service. If someone doesn't give you a five-star review, people get annoyed. Like they wonder, wait a minute, they gave me a four-star review, I'm a failure. So when you're evaluating customer fit and product fit, how much negative feedback is okay to hear and just ignore? Because I don't think a lot of people tolerate it very well. I think it goes back to what is failure, right? And let me take this on a personal level. What is failure? The way I define it is a step closer to success, right? So if you get just some feedback saying that, yeah, it wasn't great, 
then as a small business owner, I would say, well, what would you like to see different or what wasn't great about it? Because don't you want to have this pride that your product is really good and you are actually serving people, you're benefiting people? So I guess my advice there would be, don't make it personal. It's not about you. It's about what can you do better and how can you help others better? And that starts by having the courage to ask your customer and have a grown-up discussion and say, okay, you gave me a three out of five and you address these issues. Don't get defensive. And make that phone call, make that email, ask them and be vulnerable in order to improve the product. I think that's a really good point that you make. So let's talk success stories here. So you evaluate someone's product and customer fit and you help them with it. Surely you've done that before. Tell us how powerful this is and what the results might be if you get it right. Sure. I'll tell you a little story. So I was working with this large corporate client and it was for like the financial department. And what the product they had in place was a couple of disparate systems, right? And I'm sure you've seen this in the world, like this system has, or this file has this information, this file has this information. And so what was happening? So again, it comes down to let's define the problem, right? So the problem was that they had these disparate tools. There was a redundancy of data and so much time spent in reconciling because it's financial data. I mean, there has to be some integrity in that. And then the problem there was like what we call like total cost of ownership because you're just wasting so much time just to maintain all these pieces of tools, right? So then in terms of when trying to come up with a solution, because now we've identified what the problem is, we're like, we want one source of the truth, right? Where there's no need, you know, wasted time in reconciling, where everybody can go to the same place and get the same data and things move faster. You're saving time, you're saving money in not any of that rework. So in that situation, I helped evaluate a number of vendor tools and vendor solutions that provided all this financial project management, portfolio management, all in one tool, but knowing that what were the needs of these customers in terms of what is the data you need? What are the reports that you need to produce? And make sure like these tools satisfy those. So what working with the vendors, so do they have these features? Do they check the boxes of the problems we're trying to solve? And that's how it selected the vendor. And then of course, then there's a whole IT team that'll help implement that. But that's probably one of the stories that I have. And definitely with that, it just makes everybody's life easier. It automates a lot and you save a lot of money just from people being able to do the job that they're supposed to do. Saving money, happy employees, check, check, check. There's a product customer fit for sure. Right. We've only got a few moments left, but uh, congratulations, I think are in order. You're quite the prolific author. Can you tell us the success story there? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, my latest book, Lead That Thing, Leadership for a Busy Mind, just hit number one in Amazon's bestsellers. So I can celebrate being a three-time first number one bestseller. So that's definitely exciting for me because that's a, a relatively new journey too. So yeah, appreciate that. Well, congratulations. And you're a podcaster too. So tell us about the show. My show's called Lead That Thing. And I talk about leadership topics and competencies. And the, the purpose, as we talked about purpose today, is to help aspiring leaders and current leaders get better at their craft and help aspiring leaders pursue paths of leadership. Well, if the show is anything like this interview, I am all over it because this conversation is something that everyone should have 
frequently. That product customer fit, you get that right, you're going to make more money. Aruna Krishnan, owner of Optum LLC in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Pat. If you're enjoying the show, you need to hop in as a Lift As We Climb VIP. It's simple and easy. Just text the word LIFT to 414-240-1315. That's LIFT to 414-240-1315. You'll get a reminder when new shows are released, and we also have some fun giveaways from time to time. This episode of Lift As We Climb is sponsored by The Expressory, your relationship-building concierge, the LinkedIn lifestyle, secrets and strategies to be a LinkedIn star, and cultivating sales, the all-in-one CRM for sales and marketing. I'm Pat Miller, the Idea Coach and a premier success coach for the E-Women Network. Find out more about me at patmillerideacoach.com. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.